I don't know about you, but I love a good joke, and I love, I love a clean joke, you know, and it's so hard nowadays, you don't hear any good jokes anymore that are, that are clean, and uh, you, don't, you can't hardly watch any comedians anymore, because every comedian is filthy that, that comes on. One of the only clean ones left, and I'm not saying he's completely clean, because I hadn't heard everything that Jeff Foxworthy's done, but, you know, he has those jokes. He made, in fact, Jeff Foxworthy made a living off of, uh, you might be a redneck if... You know, you might be a redneck if, if you think uh, loading the dishwasher is getting your wife drunk. You might be a redneck if, you might be a redneck if, if taking out the trash means taking the in-laws to the movies. I like, I like that one a lot. But uh, you might be a redneck if uh, turning, uh, directions to your house includes turning off the paved road. Amen. That's all. Most of us out here, amen, okay? That's most of us out here, praise the Lord. But he made a, he made a living off of that. Well, I want this morning, I want to preach a sermon on you might be a fool. You might be a fool if. But you know, if we're talking about the Word of God, and if we're opening up the Word of God, and we're reading the words of God, it's not you might be. It's you are a fool if. I mean, this is the authority that we have in the Word of God. The Word of God gives us the authority to say, hey, I'm not saying it, God's saying it, God's saying you might, it's not that you might be, He says you are. And I'm going to go through some scriptures showing you that the Lord does call certain people fools for certain ways they believe and certain things they say. And we've got to be careful of that. It's starting in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 3. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. A fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. I mean, the Bible says there, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Solomon says, a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. You know, you are a fool if, an, if they could take an x-ray of your jaw and it'd be a moving picture. That's a fool. You're a fool. The Bible says if you speak a whole lot, you're a fool. I, I used to work with a guy, and uh, he called himself motor mouth. He called himself motor mouth. And what he'd do is he'd just never stop talking. And I, what it, I ride in, the, tra- I ride in this, uh, the crane truck all day long for the city of Brownwood, and we're picking up brush and doing the different things. So I had to have a partner with me, and he, ride, and he would talk nonstop. He would never shut up. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how much this guy talked. I thought my ears were going to catch on fire. They were just listening so much. Just, and he called himself Motormouth. And he would tell me, and, and what I found out is he would talk so much, he'd start telling me stories and things. I'm like, man, you don't need to be telling me this stuff. And I would tell him, man, whatever you do, don't tell that story to somebody at, in the break room. You'll never live that down. Because that's what I realized. You know, the more you talk, the more you're incriminating yourself. Amen. You know, you realize Jesus Christ warned us that every idle word, man's going to give an account in the day of judgment. Amen. Every idle word. Not those big words you're speaking. Not those words you're speaking where everybody can hear you. Every idle word. That should scare you. That scares me. Let, me. let me give you some advice, some other advice out of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs. Quickly, Proverbs chapter 17. So you might, you're a fool if you speak a lot. It's just that simple. You're a fool if an x-ray of your jaw would be a moving picture. An x-ray of your jaw would be a moving picture. That probably means you're a fool. Proverbs chapter 17. Look at verse 28. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. Here's some good advice. Here's some good advice out of Proverbs. Solomon wrote this too. Even a fool, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Amen. You know what the Bible says? If you can learn to keep your mouth shut, people will just think you're smart just because you're not talking about it. 
Marwitz can confirm this. I know absolutely nothing about fixing a truck or fixing a car or any kind of mechanic work. So when I'm around men that are talking about fixing a car or fixing, working on a car, I keep my big mouth shut. And you know that's hard for me, not to be a fool, and to keep my big mouth shut. You know what I've learned is whenever I, I don't keep my, when I don't say anything, they assume that I know what they're talking about. Because I'm not talking, I'm just like shaking my head, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time, y'all know how much my wife doesn't talk. My mom's a very quiet person. She doesn't talk. We go over to Sister Winnie Dodds and we visit her. Every single time she says, your wife is so smart. You can tell she's so smart because she doesn't talk a lot. And I start laughing about it. She thinks my wife's a brain surgeon or something just because she doesn't talk. But that's what you assume when somebody's not talking. Hey, that's good advice. You don't want to be counted a fool? Don't talk a lot. Amen. That's just good advice. Look at Psalm chapter 14. Let's look at another one of these. Psalms chapter 14. There's some good advice you can get out of the Bible. And we, don't, we need to read our Proverbs and, and read it every day and read our Bible every day. There's some really good practical advice about living you can get out of the Bible. And I was reading a, a Psalm chapter 14 verse 1. I was, uh, we're talking about clean jokes, how you can't ever hear it. I love jokes that are kind of cynical. They kind of have a cynical side to them. And I was reading this one where this guy went to a fortune teller for her to read his palm. And he got, to, got in there and he said, uh, am I going to get married? And she looked at him and she said, no, you're never going to get married. And he said, well, you hadn't even read my palm. He, she said, yeah, but I've looked at your face. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Patsy. <laughs> you got to appreciate this stuff. Like the woman, the, they're at the grocery store, they're at the, gro- the woman's at the grocery store and the drunk walks up to her and she, he looks at her basket and he looks at her, at her and he looks at her basket and he looks at her, he looks at her basket and he looks at her and he said, you must be single. She said, that's amazing that you can tell I'm single by just looking at what I bought. He goes, no, you're ugly. <laughs> if you, only if you're ugly like me could you appreciate a joke like that, you know. Oh, man. Y'all lighten up a little bit. Just lighten up a little bit. We're all saved going to heaven, amen. If you know, if you took Jesus Christ, received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've got the best thing going. You should have joy in Jesus Christ. Lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Psalm chapter 14, verse 1. The fool, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. See, the Bible comes real plain about it. As you say in your heart, there is no God, the Bible says, the Word of God says, you're a fool. You are a fool, not that you might be a fool. You are a fool if you say there is no God. That's foolish. When you look at creation, you walk around and look at God's creation, it's hard to deny there's not a God. You know, I've shown, we brought that video up, and I showed the video up at church one time about uh, no intelligence allowed, Ben Stein, and he, he's not even a Christian. And he went to all these different universities, and what he found out is these professors, some of these professors are finding out there has to be an intelligent designer. They're looking, at, they're looking at biology, they're looking at the astronomy, they're looking at all forms of science, and what they're coming to the conclusion is they're not saying that they believe in Jesus Christ, they're not saying that they believe in Jehovah God, they're just saying there has to be an intelligent designer to this stuff. This stuff just didn't happen. And what they found out was these professors, these teachers, they're not allowed to keep their jobs, they're getting fired because, just because they're, sa- they're not even allowed to talk about this stuff. They're so afraid. But when you look at, the, look at uh, science, you look, there's a design to all of this. The bees need the flowers, and the flowers need the bees. Which came first? According to God's word, that we're by day apart. 
not millions of years of evolution. Guys, use your mind. Use that brain God gave you. You don't have to explain everything to know that there is a God up in heaven. And it's foolish to say there is no God. Reading about this old time preacher, he was preaching and he happened to go into this restaurant slash bar and he was preaching about Jesus Christ and there was somebody on the other side of the bar that kept saying, there is no God, there is no God, and they kept mocking the preacher. And the preacher come over and he said, you know what, you're a bigger fool than the Psalms 14.1. And that guy just stood there, he didn't know what to say, you're a bigger fool than him. Because the Bible says in Psalms 14.1, he said, that fool said in his heart, and you're speaking it out where everybody can hear you. That's how many foolish people we have in the world today. They're getting on their twits, getting on Twitter. They're getting on Facebook. They're getting on social media. And they're spreading all this. There is no God. And they're hating on God. And they're hating on Christianity. And they have no clue what's going on. They never searched out the truth for themselves. They're just repeating what somebody else said. I overheard a conversation just yesterday between two, a Christian man and a Christian woman. And they were talking about their, their kids and they're, they're older teenagers, and that one, one lady said, you know, my daughter told me all this hate for God and all this hate for Christianity is coming from social media, Mom. See, I'm not on social media. I'm not around social media, so I have no idea really what people are saying on Facebook and on Twitter. But this woman, this woman said her daughter's testimony was that they're getting all this stuff off social media, off Twitter, off Facebook. That's where all the hate's coming from. See, it's real easy to say that stuff when you're sitting behind a computer where nobody can see you. Or sitting behind your little phone. There's a guy that we all know in this church, that we know out of this church, he don't come to this church, he hates God. And he's put stuff on Facebook against God. And I've took what he's put on Facebook and I broke it down piece by piece and showed how stupid it was, amen? And I showed how his reasoning wasn't even right. But I can't, I can't personally... Defend everything somebody says against God. You're going to have to search for yourself. Amen. It's your responsibility. But we have a society of people who are willfully ignorant, the Bible says. In other words, they're ignorant on purpose. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know what really what God has to say. They want to just keep on keeping their head down. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know the truth. And Jesus Christ said, the truth shall make you free. And they've been deceived by the devil thinking that they'll, they can just keep their head down, don't want to search for the truth, don't look for the truth. And maybe everything will be all right when I get to the end of my life. It don't work that way. You're going to get to the end of your life, you take your last breath, you're going to wake up and you're going to look up and there's going to be God and then you're going to have to answer. Everybody's going to have to answer to God. Look at Psalm 14, See, continue on, verse 1. The fool said in his heart, there is no God they are corrupt, they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They did, nobody seeks God. Nobody wants to understand God. That's what verse 2 is telling you. They're willfully ignorant. They're not understanding God. They're not seeking for God. They're being stupid on purpose. And I know I can be stupid about a lot of things, but there's one thing I do know. I believe that book and I believe that God exists. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stick with Jesus Christ because I've seen him work. How many men have you heard of that start seeking God, that seek honestly for God, get converted to Jesus Christ? We're talking about Lee Strobel. You're talking about men. Like, if you watch that movie, and I encourage you, watch that movie, God's Not Dead 2. 
Because they get those two guys, they get them, there, there's a trial, the, the woman, the teacher gets put on trial in that movie, but they give two great testimonies of men that didn't believe in Jesus Christ, and they just started looking for the truth about the resurrection, and they found out the truth was the resurrection did take place. The crucifixion, Jesus Christ did exist. If you want the truth, the truth's out there. But so many of society, they, want, they don't want the truth. You know why they don't want the truth? Because they don't like our God. Our God isn't the God like they want. They want a God a certain way, and God's not acting a certain way or doesn't think like they think. He doesn't act like they, th- they act. So they want to get rid of that God, their God or that God, and they want to make up their own God. The concept of God is simple. God exists, and you've got to accept how he thinks and how he works because he's God. He created you. Verse 3, they, all, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. When you start talking about God, God is holy and you're a sinner. Of course you don't understand God. Because He's God, amen, and you're a man created by God. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm glad for that too. I'm glad God don't think like I do. Praise the Lord for that. You know how many people would be dead in Walmart if God thought like I did? You know when you're going through Walmart and somebody has a basket and they're in your way or they cut you off in Walmart and I think, I'm like, get out of my way. (laughs) And those thoughts come through your head like, just move, get out of my way. People be just falling over in Walmart right and left. No, I tell you how it would be if if, if I was God like that. When I walked into Walmart, it would be completely empty. And there would be one cashier and that that cashier would be for me. And I wouldn't have to wait for 30 minutes. Aren't you glad God's not like me? I'm glad God's not like you. God's higher than us. He's holy. And I'm thankful for that. You're a fool if you don't believe in God. You're a fool. Let's look at another one of these. Look look at Luke. Look at the the gospel of Luke. You know, I got a question for every atheist. And I I like to ask atheists this question. And I've never really had a good answer from an atheist about this question. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. I've got a good question for an atheist. And I ask this to every atheist I run into, and I never have gotten a good answer for it. Here's my question to an atheist. What has atheism done for anybody? What good has atheism done? The belief there is no God. What good has that done? And I haven't really, really gotten a good answer. And if somebody ever gives me a good answer, if they give me one good answer of what an atheism has done for somebody, I could give them a million of what Christianity has done good for people. The hospitals that it's created, the food banks that it's created, the good that Jesus Christ has done through people. You can't deny that. You can deny the Bible, you can, but you can't deny that there's people who believe in Jesus Christ that have done good works for this world. Created hospitals, created schools for the deaf, created schools for the blind. The whole Salvation Army, the Red Cross, all these things were created years ago by Christians, not by atheists. The whole concept of Christianity is, this, is summed up in one simple word, others. 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 Luke chapter 12, look what Jesus Christ here, he's saying here in verse, uh, look at, yeah, verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother and he, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus talking to him. Verse 15, and he said unto them, 
Take heed, Jesus says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. That's what every American needs to know and understand. Your life is not based on how much money you're getting a week or how much money you're making or how, how big a car you're driving or how big a house you're That's not life. And the world's got you deceived that life would be better if you get a better car. No, life's not better when you get a better car. Life's not better when you get a bigger house. That's more taxes, amen? amen. You know what happens when you, the nicer car you get? There's less people who can work on that nice car. Verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. What brought forth plentifully? The man of the ground. The ground. You notice that? It's the ground that's bringing it forth. The ground of a certain rich man. So it's the ground. It's not the rich man. Verse 17, And he thought within himself, this rich man thought within himself, look what he thinks, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He's going to say 11 times, I am mine here. See how it's not about others, it's about me. It's about I, it's about my. You see this? That's a, that's a talk of a fool. That's how a fool talks. Verse 18, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast made good, much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So it's all about him. And he's like, oh, I'm going to tell my soul, let's eat, drink, be merry. It's all about me. I need to make this bigger and this better. Oh, it's, all, it's I, I, me, me, my, my. What does God have to say the very next verse? Verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these, those things be which thou hast provided? Amen. You're a fool if you don't realize that God controls your soul. You're a fool. The Bible says, God says right there, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Do you, know, you know there's going to be a time that God's going to require your soul? Do you know there's a time that your soul is going to stand before God? You're going to have to answer to Him? Amen. I'm not worried about that time. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior years ago when I was about 17. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and when I received Jesus Christ, that was settled between me and God. And God took the righteousness of Jesus Christ at that moment and put it on me. And he took all of Keegan's sins and he put it on Jesus Christ. And me and God, we're okay. And from that moment on, God was no longer my judge is going to require my soul. God, from that moment on, was my Father who loves me and takes care of me. And he's watching over me. Amen. And that's a momentous thing. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and man, that weight is lifted off your shoulders. You say, oh, man. My soul's been took care of. See, the only question God has for you this morning is, when you stand before God, is what did you do with Jesus Christ? If you worry about your bills, and you, don't worry about, you haven't worried about your soul, you're a fool. If you worry about politics, if you worry about politics, and listen to me, if you worry about politics, and you're not worried about your soul, and haven't worried about your soul, you're a fool. 
So many people get caught up in the election and who are you going to vote for? And we can't have this person in. We can't have that person in. Oh, they're so worried about this world system. God doesn't care about that. It's all going to be blown away. Jesus Christ is going to come back and take this. It don't matter who you voted for. Jesus Christ is still king. He's going to come back. He's going to rule. You need to worry about your soul. That's who you're going to have to answer to. If you worry about making money, it haven't worried about your soul, you're a fool. If you worry about becoming famous, it haven't worried about your soul, you're a fool. If you worry about your health, and haven't worried about your soul, you're a fool. Amen. I know a guy at work, I'm trying to witness to him. He, he tells me, I'm not a Christian, I've never took Jesus Christ. And he's got cancer. And he's so worried, he has this look of fear in his eyes. And I keep telling him, the answer is Jesus Christ. And I know what he wants me to tell him. I know he wants me to tell him, if you'll accept Jesus Christ, you'll be healed and everything will be okay. That's no guarantee. Good Christians get cancer. Good Christians have bill problems. Good Christians have politic problems. Good Christians have money problems. Good Christians have all these things happen to them. Well, what's the difference? Our soul is settled. We got peace with God. We've received Jesus. That's the only difference. Man, you've got to grab a hold of this. Think, think, think. Jesus Christ went through, and Jesus Christ healed so many people on this earth. We all know that. We all believe that. He even raised some people from the dead. And they went right back into the ground, and the worms got them. If you was to walk in this church and say, oh, Brother Keegan, he's a faith healer. And you just walk in this church, I don't care what kind of problem you had. You might have terminal cancer. You might only have a week to live. And I was to lay my hand on you and slap you and you were to be healed. Praise God for that. But you're still going to die. <laughs> it's only temporary. This body's going to go in the grave. This body's going to die and the worms are going to eat it. What are you going to do about your soul, though? Your soul is what's going to live forever. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. That's it. So I don't know if you, what you're talking about, preacher. Look, you're in Luke chapter 12. Look what Jesus said at the beginning of this chapter. Turn back. Don't take my word for it. Turn back. Luke chapter 12. Turn back to verse, verse 4. Turn back to Luke chapter 12, verse 4. You might not believe me, but if you don't believe me, believe Jesus Christ. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Here's Jesus Christ. And I say unto you, my friends... Be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do to you. That they can do. But verse 5, But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. What's Jesus Christ talking about? He's saying, hey, some man might come up and hurt you. Some man might come up and torture you. Some man might be able to shoot and kill you. But you don't need to be afraid of him. You need to be afraid of God. Amen. He's the one that has the, he not only has the power to kill your body, but he has the power to take your soul and cast it into hell. That's who you need to be afraid of. Amen. That's who you need to be afraid of. If you're in here this morning and you haven't decided what you're going to do with Jesus Christ, Man, you're taking a long chance. There's no guarantee of what will happen to you when you walk out those doors. I can't put any, give you any promises of what will happen to you. I've known so many people that I've known personally that have died at 14 years old. Some have died at 2 years old. Some have died at 93 years old. I don't know how long God's given you. 
But he's the one that's in control of your soul. And I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you, according to the word of God, that you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he'll justify you. He'll cleanse you. He'll wash you. And you'll have not have to worry about your soul anymore. Your soul belongs to God. It'll be in his hands. Amen. So what, what work do I have to do? There is no works you can do. We're saved by grace. There's no work you can do. See, in the end, who gets all the glory? Jesus Christ gets all the glory. He's the one that died for you. He, so you see what, in God's eyes, you're a fool if you think there's many ways to God. You're a fool if you think, oh, I'll go the Muhammad way, or I'll go the Buddhist way, or I'll go the work way, or I'll go through the Southern Baptist Church way. Or no, it's only one way. Jesus Christ says it's a narrow way. It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ stood up and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said. You know why he said that? Because there's only, and we were learning this in Sunday school, there's only one way you're going to get right with God, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, what makes Jesus Christ special, it wasn't that he just that he went around healing people. It wasn't that Jesus Christ was walking on water. That is special, amen. And it's not all the parables that Jesus Christ taught us. Those are very special. But that's not what makes Jesus Christ the Son of God. What makes Jesus Christ the Son of God. What makes Jesus Christ the most glorious person to ever be born on this earth is that he died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He paid for our sins. And because we're no good and we can't pay for them ourselves, he died so we will have a way to get into heaven. See, Jesus Christ could have came as the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh. He could have healed all those people. He could have walked on water. He could have calmed the waves. He could have gave us the parables. He could have told us the right way to live. And he could have looked at Peter. He could have looked at John. He could have said, okay, guys, I've shown you how to do it. Good luck. And he could have went up into heaven. And that's exactly what me and you deserve. We deserve that. We deserve that. We deserve to have to try to do it ourselves. But God's infinite love shown through the cross of Calvary said, No, I know you can't do it. I must need go to the cross and die for the world. Amen. That whoever believe on me shall not be condemned. Praise the Lord. Man, you're foolish to try to go some other way. You're foolish not to realize that God is going to require some of your soul. See, the world's got you fooled. You're thinking you're working. You're here on this earth, and you're here to make money. You're here to get a bigger house. You're here to get a bigger car. You're here to be famous. You're here to be a sports star. You're here to do all that. No, no. You're here to please God. Amen. And when you're here and you realize, you know what? I need to get right with God because he's the creator. Because I'd be a fool not to admit there is a God. So the first thing you say is, okay, there is a God. I'm not so foolish to say there isn't a God. I know there's a God. Now, what does he require of me? And Jesus Christ came down and showed that he was the Son of God and said, He requires this, you believe on the Son of God. Amen. Jesus Christ, you believe on me. Because I'm going to be lifted up, Nicodemus, and whoever looketh on me shall be saved. You've got to be looking. You've got to look on that. You've got to look to the cross of Calvary. Man, all these other fakers are coming along, and you'll be a fool to follow them. They haven't done nothing for you. They haven't done nothing for you. You'd be a fool to follow them. Why would I want to follow Muhammad? Muhammad's done nothing for me. No, who, it don't matter who you pick out, Buddha. Or who, they haven't done nothing for Kigan. When I've read the books of Buddha, Buddha, you know what Buddha says? He says, rely on yourself. 
Well, I know enough not to rely on myself. I'll mess it up, amen. <laughs> and I don't know what Muhammad's going to tell you. I know one of the things he tells you in the Quran, he tells you to beat your wife. I know that, you know. There's nothing Muhammad's done for Kig and Hall, but Jesus Christ died for my sins. And when I found that out of the Word of God, I said, that's who I need right there. Now, somebody might be an atheist, and they might say, well, why do, you, why do you believe the Word of God? How do you know that's the Word of God? Prophecy. Prophecy. And I can show you verse after verse that was predicted thousands of years ago that is coming to pass right before our very eyes. Amen. Right before our very eyes. Prophecy after prophecy. Look at, look at Israel, the nation of Israel. That's an amazing prophecy. And right before our very eyes, Israel became a nation in one day. That was prophesied. It's prophesied that there'd be a one world system. A hundred years ago, they couldn't understand that. Now we know with computers, that's exactly what's going on. In the book of Revelation, they predicted the whole world would watch them laying dead in the street. And they would say a hundred years ago in commentaries, how can the whole world watch them in the street? We know now how they're doing it, amen? Satellites. You can be over in Korea and you can watch somebody laying in the streets in Jerusalem instantly. How did the Bible know that? You didn't read in Revelation, it says in the end times they're going to take a mark of the beast. They're going to get a mark put on their right hand or on their foreheads. Okay? We thought from the 70s, 60s, 70s, it's going to be a barcode. It's going to be some kind of barcode. You know, people were preaching that and teaching that. But when you read the Bible, that's not what the Bible said. What did the Bible say in Revelation 13? It said you'll get a mark in in, I in, in your hand or in your forehead. And we're living in a society today where they're getting those little microchips and they're trying to put them under your skin so they can read it. Amazing prophecy. Amazing. <laughs> Say, why do you believe the Bible? I believe the Bible because of prophecy. Let me show you one more, Luke chapter 24. Let me show you one more, Luke chapter 20. And we'll close here, Luke chapter 24. Let me show you one more. Make sure you're not a fool this way. Now, I thank you if you've been here this morning listening. You know, uh, you know, just kind of try to keep your mouth shut. Amen. <laughs> Would be a fool if you talk a whole lot. Secondly, we know that you're a fool if you don't believe that there's a God. You're a fool. The Bible's real adamant about that. Thirdly, we know you're a fool if you don't realize that God is going to require your soul. And in Luke chapter 24, I want, I want to turn you to verse 13, and I want to read you this. And just read along with me, and I'm going to show you something going on here. This is the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And behold, two of them which went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Talking about Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. How many times has Jesus Christ drawn close to somebody that didn't realize it was Jesus Christ? That's a good question. How many times has somebody come up to you, bumped into you, and they're talking to you, and they're asking you about religious things, and you're like, that kook, and they never realize it was an angel of God. Paul says, beware how you entertain strangers, because people have entertained angels unaware. How many times has God sent somebody a witness of some kind to buy somebody, and they didn't realize what was happening? Guys, how many times has God sent each one of y'all by somebody to be a, to be a witness in a divine appointment, and you were supposed to do your job, and you didn't tell them about Jesus Christ. How many times? 
God says, there's one of my believers. I want them to tell this poor soul about faith in Jesus Christ, what they can have in Jesus Christ. And God makes a divine appointment for us, and we run into them, and we don't mention the best thing in our life. And the best thing in our life is Jesus Christ. We might mention the football game. We might mention politics. We might mention work, but we forget to mention Jesus Christ. How many times? Well, you can solve that problem next time you have a divine appointment. (laughs) Mention Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Mention Jesus Christ. Verse 17, and he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name is Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? Jesus says, What things? Jesus knows what things, amen. He's just just playing dumb. (laughs) You notice how Jesus Christ is always asking questions? Always asking questions. See, that's how you answer every man. You want to answer a man? Somebody's harassing you about Jesus Christ? Somebody who's an atheist is harassing you about not believing in God? That's how you answer them. You answer them with another question, like I, like I was just telling you. You ask them, what has atheism ever done good in this world? Ask them that question. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. Now, guys, I want to point something out before we get too much further into this. Don't be so foolish as to think. People know about Jesus Christ. They know about Jesus. Jesus Christ didn't do this off in a corner somewhere. Jesus Christ is known of men. Jesus Christ, people know that there's a Jesus Christ. They might want to try to ignore him. They might want to try to pretend that he doesn't exist. They might want to pretend that he's not around, but he did exist, and they know it in their heart he existed. He didn't do this stuff in a corner somewhere. Verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early in the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. So they're telling Jesus Christ this testimony. They're saying, well, he was buried and on the third day, now we have these testimonies that he's alive and that they're seeing these angels. See, they're telling him what we all know. Verse 24, And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. They didn't see Jesus. So they're telling Jesus all this. Notice what Jesus says in verse 25. This is what I want to point out this morning in closing. Then he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, O fools, fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Notice what he does. He says, you're a fool if you don't believe in the word of God. He says, you're a fool. So the last one I want to point out to you, if you don't believe everything God said out of this book, Jesus says, you're a fool. I didn't say it. He called them that. Notice he says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He didn't say, he didn't call them fools because they didn't understand. 
You're not going to understand everything out of the Word of God. You're not going to understand everything God's wrote in this book. But you should believe everything God wrote in this book. You want Jesus Christ to call you a fool? Stop believing in this book. And that's where the attack is today. Through social media, through Twitter, through all these Facebook, through all this. The attack today is on the Word of God. They want you young people to stop believing in the Word of God. They want y'all to stop believing that the Word of God is true. And I'm here to tell you that if you'll sit down with somebody who studied it, sit down and search for it your own way, search for it your own way, search for the truth, you'll find out that the Word of God is true. You know, they just had a museum set up in Brownwood just this Saturday. We went to this museum, and it was how the Bible was translated. And they had all this evidence of how the Bible was translated all through the centuries. It was amazing. And I was talking to the guy who runs this museum. And he had a Gutenberg press there. He had the first edition King James there. He had, all the de- he had some, some different archaeological finds. And I was talking to him, and he said, You know why I'm doing this museum? Why I'm setting all this up? He said, I'm doing this simply to show young people and anybody who's interested that you can believe the Word of God. Amen. 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 There were maybe three or four people there on a Saturday. Nobody cares for the truth. Nobody wants the truth. The truth's right there. They want. They don't want it. Now listen. Let me slow, let me close by saying this, and I'll let you go. You might be slow to pay your bills. You might be slow to mow your grass. You might be slow to wash your dishes. But whatever you do, don't be slow to believe everything God says. Amen. You can believe what God said. It's your final authority. You got it. You can believe it. And guys, that's where your truth is. Jesus Christ said, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. When I was a young Christian, I was studying the Bible. And I came along and realized that the King James Bible is God's word. When I put my faith in that King James Bible, I said, that's God's word. The knowledge in God's word just exploded and God starts showing me all this stuff, and it's amazing. I've never looked back, and I've never doubted it. It's the most amazing thing. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. We're about to have an invitation. Now, I'm an old-time preacher. I believe in the old past. I believe if you want to accept Jesus Christ, you need to ask Jesus Christ to save you. Amen. You know, and if we give an invitation like the old-time Baptist, and uh, we give an invitation if the Jesus Christ has spoke to your heart, and you don't know for sure you're going to go to heaven, we'll give you an opportunity to come on, to come on down here and get saved. You say, well, what do I have to do to get to heaven? You've got to believe that Jesus Christ walked among men. You've got to believe that he, was, that he died on the cross for your sins. You've got to believe you're a sinner. You've got to believe he was buried. He died and he was buried, and on the third day he came up. If you believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you're willing to repent, Saying, you know what, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to turn and I'm going to come back to God and ask Jesus Christ to save me. You know what Jesus Christ said? He will save you. Say, well, how'd you get saved, Pastor? I got saved the very same way. I just walked down the aisle at the church and I said, you know what, I want to receive Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I couldn't have told you where Genesis was. I wasn't for sure where Revelation was. I just know that I was a sinner going to hell and that I needed a way out. I knew that God, I believed that God was going to require something of my soul. And I didn't want to stand before God by myself. I needed a way out. And I knew that way out was Jesus Christ. Man, it's the best gift God has ever given man. 
It's a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. You don't have to work for it. All you got to do is come down and take it. Now the ball's in your court. You've heard everything that God has for you as a lost man or woman. Do you want to receive Jesus Christ or do you want to deny him? Let me close by saying this. Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on me, this is what he says in John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on me is not condemned. I put my faith on Jesus. I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned to hell. And then Jesus Christ went on to say this. This is something that you need to hear. He that believeth not is condemned already. Amen. It's not, we're not talking about you're going to go to God and say, Okay, God, I want you to weigh me out. Put all my good here and put all my bad here. And if I'm good enough, I'll get to go to heaven. And if I'm bad enough, I'll have to go to hell. That's not how God works. God says you're already condemned. That's what Jesus says. That means that you're already going to hell. The wrath of God abideth on you. You're a sinner. God is your judge. He's got to judge you as a holy God. As a holy judge, He will judge you. But Jesus Christ says, if you'll believe on me, you'll not be condemned. In other words, what God's going to do, it's, called a, it's a process, a legal process called justification. He puts all of Jesus Christ's righteousness and He puts it over on you. And He takes all of your rottenness and no good and He puts it over on Jesus Christ. That's what happened at the cross of Calvary. But you've got to receive it. A free gift can be offered and not received. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.